And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. He was blind, right? But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, Acts 10 through 16, that's God talking to Ananias and trying to get him to go speak to Saul. You can read that on your own time, but we're going to jump down to verse 17 through 20. Where it says, and Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And then Saul, he spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. One more time, Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Mm -hmm. Immediately, he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. So what happened between verse one, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, and verse 20, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God, right? Well, last time I was before you all, we, we talked about an encounter with the king, right? And Saul, he himself, he has had his encounter with the king. So that's what we're gonna focus on this afternoon, is his encounter with the king. So in verse 1, Saul is adamant about capturing and killing the followers of Christ. Right? In today's terms, Saul will be labeled as a terrorist. Right? He will be labeled as a terrorist. He's seeking those who uh, believe something different than him. And he believes that it's a threat to himself. So he wants to capture and kill these people of a different faith. Right? Mm -hmm. So he would be labeled as a terrorist. And in addition to him having an encounter with the king, Saul also had a Damascus Road experience, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is a Damascus Road experience? That's a season in your life when God stops you, right? Okay. A season in your life where God stops you. And how many of us have grown to the point of spiritual maturity where we can actually thank God for that season in our lives when God stops us? Amen. Where we stop from marrying that person who we now realize that would have ruined our lives from the jump, right? Come on. We stop interacting with this person who would have separated us from God, but we have to grow to that point in spiritual maturity where we thank God for stopping us. Come on. Come on. So, I thank you for that position that I didn't get. Now, hindsight is always 2020 that I can see that I would not have done you any service in that position. Right. But it takes a certain level of spiritual maturity where we can thank God for stopping us. Right? So Saul, he was very zealous concerning God. He was passionate, and uh, he was passionately wrong. Okay? Saul was passionate, but he was passionately wrong. So before Saul was blinded on this Damascus road, he was blinded spiritually. Right? He was blinded spiritually. And I'm 
God, I'm, I'm so glad that God doesn't see things the way that we see things, right? Because a lot of us, talking about here today, would have written Saul off because of his past, right? We see this person who's persecuting Christians, we're going to write them off and say that they're no good for Christ and the kingdom, right? But God, he sees things ways we don't see it, right? So God saw that zeal, God saw that passion that Saul had for killing Christians, and he turned it and used it for his glory, That's and right. had him using that same zeal and that same passion to lead others to Christ. Right? So he was passionate, but he was passionately wrong, right? or passionately ignorant. How many of us have been passionate, but passionately wrong about something? Right? Mm -hmm. And when we realize that we're wrong, how many of us are actually humble enough to admit that we were wrong? You know? So Paul, he was, a, he, he, he was religious, but he was a religious killer. Okay? He was a religious killer. And that's what happens when you misemploy religion. Okay? When you misemploy religion, you can become a religious killer. Example, right? Think about the olden days. How many days is uh, olden days? It's a long time ago, hundreds of years ago, right? And think about the 16, 1700s, maybe the 1400s, when you have people of a certain faith, they are burning women alive because they believe that they are witches, right? These people are passionate, but they're passionate wrong. Do you think they extended them an apology? No, you know what I mean? They're passionate, but they're passionately wrong. So in the name of religion, my ancestors and your ancestors were taken from their country, their continent, right? And brought over here to be slaves, right? They were beaten, they were hung, women were raped, people were killed, all in the name of religion. They were throwing scripture at you, right? Yes, sir. People were passionate, but they were passionately wrong, right? Because misemployed religion, it kills, okay? Misemployed religion, it kills. But a relationship with Jesus can save. Amen. He wants us to find hope in him. He wants us to find peace in him. He wants us to find comfort in him. He wants us to find a refuge in him and joy in him. So that relationship with Jesus, a proper relationship with Jesus, it can save. So whenever we obey Christ and get into that proper relationship, he's going to come in as a boss. Okay? Mm -hmm and never as an employee, okay? Now let me explain that. Christ is gonna come in as a boss and never as an employee. Mm -hmm. If he comes in as an employee, he works for you, okay? Christ doesn't work for us, Amen. right? But we get it twisted when we think that Christ works for us. We can pray to him and we can get whatever, we, or whatever it is that we desire. But we're thinking of him as an employee, right? We're thinking of him as he's working for us, but he's coming in as a boss. We work for him, okay? We work for Christ. Then he also comes in, another uh, analogy, he, he comes in as uh, uh, a landlord and not as a, as a tenant, okay? Because our bodies are a temple, right? And we read uh, in what was that? Revelation 20, he's standing at the door, he's knocking, right? If you invite him in, he's gonna come in as a, as a, as a landlord, okay? He's not coming in as a tenant. You can decorate your house, your outward appearance, you can have everything all nice and dress right dress. However, he wants to go in that back closet where you hide in that seat. Right? He wants to go into that basement where you're storing all of that bitterness at, right? Amen. Because any room in our house, in our temple, that we do not allow Christ to rule in is an area where Satan can wreak havoc in. Okay? So 
these areas in our lives when we're trying to make everything nice on the outward appearance so that way we look real before other people. Mm-hmm. Satan can wreak havoc in those areas where we're not tended to. We're, we're not allowing Christ to go all over our house, right? Mm-hmm. We're just allowing him to go into the common areas, right? Mm-hmm. These back bedrooms and these basements, we keep it locked, and we're going to keep that to ourselves. But rest assured, that's going to be places where Satan can wreak havoc in. Okay? So, misemployed religion, it kills, but a proper relationship with Jesus saves. Like I said before, Saul, he's passionate, but he's passionately wrong. And some of us may be frustrated at this point in life. Uh, some of have said in 2022, it's going to be my year. Right? Mm-hmm. 2022 is going to be my year. But here we are, the fourth month into 2022, well. the second quarter into 2022. And now things are starting to look like it's mirroring 2021, okay? So we're here in the second month, in this, uh, the fourth month in the second quarter, and some things have yet to change. Some things that we thought that would be transformative are not transformative, mm-hmm. right? So we're starting the year off on the wrong foot in our head, right? So the debt that we said is gonna be paid off, it hasn't been paid off. The weight that we said we was going to lose, it's still there, you know? So the ideas that we had to run a business, it's just an idea. We haven't taken any steps towards that to become a, a reality, right? So 2022 is starting to mirror 2021. And I just want you all to give me your ear just for a little bit. And let us go into this process of how we can have this transformation experience, right? So this is not the way, this is just a way that you can transform your mind, right? So number one, your transformation is tied to surrender and obedience to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not deep, but some people need to hear it, mm-hmm. right? Some people need to hear it. So we, tra- we, 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 we tend to teach or, or treat the Bible as a book of electives, okay? Mm-hmm. I like this one, mm-hmm. I don't like that one. I can put up with this one, but I don't want nothing to do with that, right? Until we, to surrender, until we surrender to all of Jesus' teachings, his decrees, his principles, we will always be limited in our transformation, right? We will always be limited in our transformation. And so, uh, number two, your transformation is tied to your unlearning, okay? Your transformation is tied to your unlearning. Whenever we submit to Christ, there's always going to be some unlearning that we have to do. Amen. Right? Amen. We read the, the scripture reading in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, right? Renewing our minds, right? We must renew our minds. We quote a lot of scripture, and it's cute, you know? But, that's it. The way we transform is by renewing our minds, right? So when we look at that word renew, re, renew. So uh, Merriam-Webster defines renew as to make like new. Right? To make new spiritually or to restore to existence. It's essentially saying something former has worn out and needs something new again. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Lamest term, something former has worn out and now you need something new again. So those of us who has an iPhone, right? We realize that these iPhones update at least ten times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to update mine right now. So it updates at least ten times. A year. So right now it's with iOS 15.4.1 or something like that. Next is going to be iOS 15.4.2 or next is going to be iOS 15.5. So your iPhone is constantly always going to update, right? For those of us who 
uh, play video games. The new PlayStations and the new Xbox is connected to the internet. Those receive updates all the time, right? Multiple times throughout the year. Those of us who have smart TVs at home, those smart TVs update multiple times a year. But for some of us, we have yet to upgrade or update anything. Mm. Now, I'm not talking about material stuff like a car or a house, a phone, or anything like that. I'm talking about spiritual. Mm -hmm. Are you going to allow your electronics update more often than you do? Mm -hmm. you know? That's something to think about, right? My, my, my phone is going to update more than I do. You know, but we understand that we need to renew our minds, that renewal is a constant process, but are we going to allow this technology to update more often than we do? You know? Uh, can we update our spiritual walk? You know, can you update your biblical intelligence? Right? Can you study? Right? Right. Can you update your prayer life? It was cute at one point when you were younger, God is great and God is good. God is thinking, got it. You know, but now you're dealing with spiritual warfare. When are you going to update your prayer life? So it's time for us to update our prayer life, right? Because spiritual warfare is real. Updating this material stuff is not going to help us out in that spiritual world. Right? But that's something that we're going to have to deal with every single day is this battle that we fight. Once we do this, do it. Right? Sometimes we fight the battle right here sitting in the seat. But our spiritual growth is not just a becoming, right? It's an unbecoming. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's not just a becoming, it's an unbecoming. If you think about it, the butterfly has to unlearn the habits of a caterpillar, mm -hmm. right? If it wants to embrace its new movements. That's right. Okay? So a butterfly has to unlearn the habits of a caterpillar. They, they serve different functions at their role in their life. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So that butterfly has to unlearn the habits of a caterpillar. And unlearning these patterns, it can cause you to accept some things that's normal, right? Mm -hmm. And I want you to hear me clearly. Nothing about the Christian life is normal, mm -hmm. okay? Nothing is nothing about the Christian life is normal. We call things like sojourners, right? Mm -hmm. Like pilgrims, okay? Like salt of the earth, okay? So a city of, that's just upon a hill. So nothing about that is normal, okay? And and uh, when someone just simply looking at you, they should be able to look at you and know that you are a Christian, mm -hmm. okay? They should be able to look at and and I, and I in my head I, I make sense of it like. I'm cooking on the grill, right? I'm barbecuing on the grill or grilling some food. You can't look at me and tell that I have been outside grilling, but let me walk past you, you're gonna smell it. That's right. right. You're gonna smell it. So you know, I don't even have to tell you that I was cooking on the grill. That's right. You just know for a fact he was outside on the grill. Mm -hmm. you know what right. I mean? So it, it should be just like that. It should be in your hair. It should be in your clothes. It should be in everything that is you. You know what I mean? You, you should know that you are a Christian, you, and you don't have to be a Bible thumping, carrying around your Bible everywhere you go, talk about Jesus everywhere you go. It should be in the way you carry yourself, the way you conduct yourself, in your speech. You know, you don't have to uh, profess that you are a Christian. People will know right. just by the way that you carry yourself Amen. that you are a Christian, right? And some of us need to unlearn lessons taught to us by a hurt person. That's right. right? Amen. Some people need to unlearn those lessons that were taught to us by a hurt person or a wounded person, okay? Your ex or your ex-husband or your ex-wife or your ex-partner, they, they were wounded, right? Your, your mom or your dad, they were wounded. Your pastor, they were wounded. Not saying brother made is wounded, but I'm just saying <laughs> some person in your life was wounded who taught you some things out of hurt, mm -hmm. who taught you some things out of pain, 
who taught you some things that it wasn't your experience, they're teaching you from their experience. That's right. So they're teaching you their past hurts, their past pains, their past regrets and whatnot, and they're imparting that on you. Sometimes you gotta unlearn that. That's right, right. amen. So, God is saying, that's, that's not who he really is, but there's some unlearning that needs to take place mm -hmm. today. Okay? And it's possible that you learned it, but you learned it wrong. Right? Mm -hmm. It's possible that you learned it, that, and you learned it wrong. I need mean, for us to unlearn dysfunction. Unlearn dysfunction. Normalizing dysfunction programs us to find comfort in strongholds. Right? Mm -hmm. And in saying it's like, this is just the way I am. Mm -hmm. I, I am who I am. Anybody who gets with me, they're going to love me for me. Oh. Really? <laughs> no. Uh, mm. Y'all know who All right. So, whoever finds it, they're going to love me for me, right? Mm. But check this out. Love can change everything, anything, right? Mm -hmm. Love can change anything. If you're not willing to change, are you willing to receive love? Okay? Because God so loved us that he put on flesh and came down here to this earth mm -hmm. to save us from our sins. Right? Mm -hmm. So love changes everything. Amen. I need us to learn what is not true. Right? Mm -hmm. The most dangerous lie is one that you believe as true. Okay? I need us to unlearn that. I need us to... Then, me and Papa was talking about it uh, earlier this week. That I need us to unlearn this idea of fake it till you make it. Unlearn it. Who came up with that crap? Unlearn, fake it till you make it. You know, uh, enough for us of sacrificing our mental health on the appearance or the altar of appearance. Right? Amen. Enough of sacrificing our mental health on the altar of appearance. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of us putting on this face or this front like we're okay when we're not okay. Come on. Come on. One reason, and this is just one reason, and I don't think it's the only reason, but one reason I think some of us deal with depression is because the real you is tired of acting okay. The real you is tired of acting okay. Who is the real you? The, the real you, the person that sits up at night crying. Yeah. All the time, right? Who is the real you? The real you is the person that is always seeming to try to hold it together but struggling That's on right. the inside. You know? Who is the real you? The real you is the person who don't like who you see in the mirror. Mm -hmm. okay? That person, that person is tired of acting okay. Mm -hmm. okay? So let's unlearn this idea of fake it till you make it. Amen. Because we don't have anybody to impress to make it seem like we have it all together. Okay? At one point or another, we're all going to be struggling. Right? Let's keep going. We, we, we're all going to be struggling at one point or another. So let's unlearn that fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. Okay? This, this is the danger of fraudulent living. Okay? Mm -hmm. It causes us to miss our blessings potentially. Because mm -hmm. what if, just what if, God wants to use that person who you're trying to hide to help somebody else? That's right. Okay? What if God wants to use the struggles that you're struggling with, he can overcome it in you, right? Allow you to overcome it, and now you can strengthen somebody else. Mm -hmm. But yet, you still got this front on of faking until you make it. You got this mask on like, like you're okay, but now you're potentially holding up somebody else from receiving their blessing. You know? mm -hmm. So let's get rid of this idea of faking it until we make it. Okay? And so the things that we're ashamed of, like I mentioned, God can use for his glory. God saw Saul and 
he seemed that he can use his misemployed passion and his misemployed zeal for his glory. Mm -hmm. But first, there had to be some unlearning done. There had to be some unlearning done. Another one. Uh, un unlearn finding comfort in chaos. Uh, I, I mentioned that uh, on, on Wednesday night. Unlearn finding comfort in chaos, right? Mm -hmm. God, he is a God of order. Amen. Let's just cut straight to the point. He is a God of order. And sometimes there are people in our lives that can remind us of God's order. That's great. But we see too often that someone uh, who is used to breathing chaos, mm -hmm. they will feel like order is suffocating, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So someone who's used to breathing chaos, order is going to feel like they're suffocating. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's why a lot of people think that you can't have fun as a Christian. Mm -hmm. okay? A lot of people think you can't have fun as a Christian because we're used to breathing chaos, right? So when we get in some order, it's like, I, I, I'm too restricted. I can't do anything in there. Mm -hmm. you know? right. Right. Well, what do you want to do? Yeah. I want to sing. I want to be out there in the world. Okay, well, we can't do that. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's why we have to unlearn some stuff so that way we can renew our minds. Right? Yeah. That's the importance of renewing our minds. And so, um, <laughs> so I'm, I, I, and, and I might step on some toes, but believe me, it is in love, okay? In my studies preparing for this lesson, right, I realized that the devil, he tricks people into committing suicide. Right? I briefly touched on that last time I was up here, but he tricks people into committing suicide. It's all of this pain and all of this discomfort, this sense of despair, uh, we feel on the inside, and the devil tells you that it will be better if you die. Okay? The devil tells you that it will be better if you die. Death, it will take all of the pain away. But this is the thing with the devil. He always mixes some truth with some lie. Right? He always mixes some truth with a lie. Right? And if you think about it, go back to the book of uh, Genesis. Right? Eve in the garden. Come here, Eve. Come here. Eat of this fruit, and you shall not surely die. Mm -hmm. For you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Mm -hmm. right? You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. While Eve, when she ate it, she didn't physically die. Mm -hmm. But she died relationally with God. Right? Mm -hmm. So while she didn't physically die, she died relationally with God. And he does this to confuse your head. That's right. He does it to confuse your head. And he uh, lies to you by telling you that Death essentially will fix your problems, but we know that's only half true. Right? Mm -hmm. That's only half true. And it's not you dying physically, it's your bitterness dying, right? Mm -hmm. It's not you dying physically, it's your ego dying, mm -hmm. right? It's not you dying physically, it's your sense of pride dying, right? right? It's not you dying physically, it's your sense of entitlement that dies, right? Yeah. So the devil, he's going to trick you into thinking that it's you that got to die, when in fact that is something that's within you. Amen. That needs to die, right? Amen. The stuff that we put to death in this water grave baptism, right? That's the stuff that's, that, that needs to die. That's Amen. the stuff that we need to leave in the grave. But Amen. a lot of us, we bring that stuff right back out of the water with us, and now we have this mm -hmm. sense of, uh, uh, I want to take my life, and the devil is playing with our heads, right? Mm -hmm. And so, if you think about it, if you're on a cruise ship and you were to fall overboard in the middle of the ocean, I can guarantee you almost everybody will fight to keep their heads above the water. That's right. Why? It's because you don't want to die. Amen. Okay? Amen. It's something that's within you that wants to die. Amen. 
So you, 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 you do that because you want to preserve your life. You don't want to die, okay? So it's because the devil, he's playing with your mind, playing with your head. And check this out. If you still have a pulse, God still has a purpose for your life. Amen. 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 If you still have a pulse, he still has a purpose for your life. So don't allow the devil to deceive you. Okay? Now, back to our regular instead of broadcasting. <laughs> now, listen to me. If you do not, if we, and put this in, and let me include myself in this as well, if we do not unlearn Saul, we can never be Paul. Okay? Amen. If we don't unlearn Saul, we can never be Paul. That's right. Who is Paul? Paul, that's the destiny version of you. Okay? That's the destiny version of you. If Paul would not have unlearned Saul, then we most likely wouldn't have had most of the New Testament book that we read today, right? Mm -hmm. If Paul would not have unlearned Saul, I wouldn't have sermon content for you today, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's the destiny version of you. If we don't unlearn Saul, we can never be Paul. Got a point. Yeah. Got a point. You unlearning Saul is not just for you. It's for your children. Mm -hmm. It's for your marriage. It's for your future marriage. Mm -hmm. it's, all of us, we, we have to be willing to unlearn the habits of Saul so that way we can embrace being Paul. Amen. Okay? In Acts chapter 19, it says, Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. He spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And I said that several times intentionally because he needed to spend some time with people who has been around Jesus, okay? Mm -hmm. Who knows who Jesus really is, mm -hmm. okay? Because we understand that Saul, he's very religious, but he's misemploying his religion, mm -hmm. right? He has a misunderstanding about who Jesus really is. Right. So Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. They're showing him who Jesus really is, mm -hmm. right? right? They're showing him who he really is. So now Saul is unlearning this previous notion that he had about Jesus, mm -hmm. right? And he's surrounded by people who's going to help him transform into Paul. Okay? And whatever you thought love was, unlearn that. Mm -hmm. right? Whatever you thought having your back looked like, That's right. unlearn that. Right? Right. I need you to unlearn that. And whatever you thought church was, mm -hmm. I need you to unlearn that. Amen. Right? Amen. Because some of us get so hung up on church not having music, church not having all the stuff that these other sects of religion have, when we get here, it's like culture shock. Unlearn it. There's some unlearning that has to go. Amen. Right? There's some unlearning that has to take place. So this is going to be the unlearning process. Number one, you've got the Damascus Road experience. Mm -hmm. right? you got the Damascus Road experience that then you have some discomfort mm -hmm. along this road. And then you have some leaders, and then healing, and ultimately, you get you to the unlearning experience, all right? And so, uh, I gave her a heads up, but I want you to come up right here, Father. Hallelujah. Yeah, right, turn around. All right, so, don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared. But this is what I want you to do. This is Katie's, okay? Hello, I'm Take your glasses off. So I want you to put this on here. So, this Damascus Road experience, right? Saul was stricken blind 
on the road to Damascus, right? He's stricken blind on the road to Damascus. He's taken out of his comfort zone because what he used before, he can no longer use, which is his sight. Right. right? And now he's in a position where he has to learn the voice of Jesus, right? He has to trust Jesus. Man, he has to hold on to his hands, right? So, as you trust me, right, Father? Yes. <laughs> so, you learn my voice, okay? Right. I'm not going to allow anything to hurt you or to come near you, okay? okay. All right, so follow me. You can't see where you're going, but I'm going to lead you around these obstacles, okay? okay? So we have various obstacles that could be in her way, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't give you a heads up, but I want you to come here, Brother Gerard. <laughs> now, I want you to try to get her. Back up. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm protecting her from things that she can't even see, right? So now she's still trusting me, right? And come try to get her again. Nope, I said back up. All right. Now, I'm protecting her, right? So she can't even see the dangers that, that's protecting her, right? And so now you have some, what depends on your perspective, could be stumbling blocks, could be a stepping stone. Elevation. But. I'm holding her by the hands, and I want you to trust my voice, okay? So you got two steps in front of you, okay? You ready to step up? Let's go. All right. So now, what would have been a stumbling block had she been trying to navigate her own way, right? Her own way without her sight. She's not listening to me. She's not holding on to my hands. So she would have been out here doing whatever. And we see that in some people, right? Mm -hmm. They're not holding on to God's hands. They're blinded, right? You know, they're blind, these leaders of the blind. They both should fall in the ditch, right? Amen. So she'd get up here and stumble. Anybody who's following her blindly will cause them to stumble as well. Okay? So I want you to come over here as well. And then we're going to come back down this way and start right there. And so there's going to be two steps right below you. Okay? You ready? Okay. Come on. Step one. Step one. Come on. All right. Come on. All right. So now we've got a Damascus road base. And now we've got the discomfort of knowing that she only has to rely on the voice of God, right? Or Paul had to rely on the voice of God, all right? So now, at this point, you got your sight back, okay? You can have a sight. <laughs> but you got your sight back. And now, this is the point where she is to be surrounded by leaders, okay? Someone who can show her the real true Jesus. Who true, who, who, who true Jesus truly is? That needs to take place at that point, right? So Saul, he had that experience, right? That surrounding, that encouragement, right? We're gonna show you that teaching who Jesus truly is, okay? We often refer to the church as a hospital, right? We often refer to the church as a hospital, but at a hospital, everybody can't be sick at the same time, okay? At a hospital, everyone can't be sick at the same time. We're gonna need some doctors on staff. Right? We're going to need some nurses on staff. Right? We're going to need some people to intake the triage. We're going to need some people for them on staff. Right? We're also going to need some of those unsung heroes, the janitorial staff. Right? We're going to need some of those people on staff as well. So everybody at the hospital cannot be sick at the same time. Right? The hospital is there so people can get well. Right? So when those people are getting well, you don't have healthy people just showing up at the hospital for a checkup. Okay. The people who come to the hospital are those who really need some, some medical care. Okay? That's right. mm -hmm. And it's healing. 
Paul, he had to unlearn Saul in order to become Paul. Right? So Paul did not allow his past, he did not allow his past to stop him from professing Christ as the Son of God. Okay? Even though people around him were like, yo, ain't you the same Saul who was killing people? Killing right, people? right. But he did not allow his past to stop him or to dissuade him from continuing to serve Christ. Right? So, he didn't allow people's opinions. Right? We call those non-factors. Right? Mm -hmm. He did not allow people's opinions to dissuade him from serving God. Okay? And step five, after all that, you've got unlearning. Right? So we know that there are some things that we have to go through. Some things that we have to experience. Some things we have to unlearn. Mm -hmm. Okay? We have to unlearn some things. Now, I'm just about done. We're wrapping up. We have the invitation already. But this is what I want us to understand, that the enemy, he's always trying to manipulate us. Right? The enemy, he is a master of disguise. If you say that backwards, he disguises himself as the master. Okay? He, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. Can somebody get that for me? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14. Excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. Verse number 14. Just one verse. And no marvel, mm -hmm. for Satan himself is transformed mm -hmm. into an angel of light. Mm -hmm. Look at that. So, so people have been wearing masks way before COVID-19. Mm -hmm. People have been wearing masks way before 2020. People have been wearing masks way before there was even a thing because of pandemic, right? That's right. Have you ever wondered why the devil or Satan came into the Garden of Eden as a snake and not as a camel? He came into the garden as a snake and not as a polar bear. Right? He came into the garden as a snake and not as a fish. It's because he always places himself and environments where it looks like he belongs, mm -hmm. right? It looks like he belongs there. You're familiar with a garden snake, right? Mm -hmm. So he's gonna place himself in environments where it looks mm -hmm. like he belongs there. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's very important for us to have the ability of discernment. Mm -hmm. I spoke to the teens last Sunday about discernment. And I explained to them that it's important that they be able to see beyond the physical. That's okay? right. Yeah important to be able to see beyond presentation mm -hmm. okay you need to strengthen that ability of discernment because without it you will be bamboos and taken advantage of all the time okay? so sometimes you can't distinguish if it's you mentally talking about our thoughts sometimes you can't distinguish if, if it's the devil sometimes you can't distinguish if this is even god so that's when we need to have some intercession okay mm -hmm. come on come on let's talk about this thing. come on let's pray about this thing. Come on, let's consult with God about this thing. Whatever it is that's troubling you, you won't get that with casual Christianity. Okay? You're not going to get it with casual Christianity. You're only going to get that as long as you're seeking God's face. Amen? So there are people who are here under the sound of my voice who grew up in the church. Some did not grow up in the church. Some grew up Catholic. Right? Some grew up Methodist. Some grew up... Uh, Protestant, some grew up Baptist, some grew up Buddhist, but all of them, grab this name, Catholic, Protestant, Buddhist, Methodist, uh, all of those 
things believe differently about the same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. All of those things believe different things. They have different beliefs, different doctrines. They believe different things about the same thing. And the crazy thing is, there are three Jesuses that we all deal with, right? Three Jesuses that we all deal with. You got the Jesus in your head, you got the Jesus of culture, and you have Jesus of scripture, okay? And the crazy thing is, they're all not congruent, okay? They're all not equal, they're all not the same Jesus, right? The Jesus in your head, if you got a problem with somebody, Jesus in your head got a problem with you too. <laughs> Let's not come to the problem. You know? I got a problem with you, Jesus in my head said, it's okay to swing on, you know. I can turn the cheek one time, but I ain't gonna do it twice, you know. So the Jesus in my head is gonna it's gonna make it easy and it's gonna agree with everything that I that I want, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that flesh, right? Mm -hmm. He's gonna make it easy. And we're gonna find ourselves justifying sin just because the Jesus in our head agrees that we can sin real quick and we can be forgiven, right? I'll sin and I'll repent of that sin, meanwhile I'm going to do it again. I'll sin and I'll repent of that sin, meanwhile I'm going to do it again. You know? So that's the Jesus in our head, right? And then we have the Jesus of culture who has no quarrels or no bad blood with, um, got no bad blood with everything that's going on with society, okay? So as the laws change, Jesus in our head, hey, he's cool. Jesus is my homeboy, right? And Gay marriage is okay, okay, Jesus in my head, or Jesus of culture said it, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So, Jesus is your savior, not your homeboy, okay? Right. Let, let, let's, let, let's put some respect on his name. Right? Amen. And then you have the true Jesus, right? The Jesus of scripture, okay? That's the Jesus who shed his blood for us, right? We hear his word, right? We believe it with our whole heart, right? We truly repent of the sin that we committed against God, right? Then we confess that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we are joined with him in baptism for the remission of our sin. Mm -hmm. And it's possible that some of us are like Paul, right? Mm -hmm. We learned about Jesus, but what we learned about him was not totally correct, mm -hmm. right? Okay? Mm -hmm. So there's some unlearning that we have to do. Mm -hmm. Jesus, he was not a politician, mm -hmm. okay? I know it's not popular, but he's not a politician. He was not for the Republican Party. He was not for the Democratic Party. He was not for the independents, right? And truth be told, God's original kingdom plan was for us not even to have a king, right? But that was the Israelite. That was us wanting to have a king, like these other nations, right? So God obliged, and he gave him King Saul, right? Not this Saul that we're talking about today, but he gave him King Saul back in uh, what that, 1 Samuel chapter 8, okay? So now, don't take that info and run with it and think that that's your permission slip to rebel against the government. Mm -hmm. Because it's not. Romans 13 talks about that, right? And Saul, not, not Saul, but Paul, he wrote that. Mm -hmm. So we know we are to submit to government. And contrary to popular belief, Jesus was not homophobic, okay? I know that's not popular in the church, but it's the truth. Many preachers will condemn the person when in fact it's the sin that needs to be condemned. Right? Right. It's the sin. So Jesus right. loves the person, but he hates the sin. And not just sex, uh, not, not, not just homosexuality, but any sin. Lying, right? Talking about uh, what else? stealing, talk about murders, talk about being fearful, unbeliever. It, it's all sin. So it's not just homophobia or, or any of that stuff. It's just sin, period, right? Amen. So it is kingdom order for a man to be with the woman, right? Amen. Because womb with womb cannot multiply, right? That's right. Seed and seed. 
cannot multiply. Amen. The purpose of man and woman is to multiply, right? Amen. And so if we eat any of this fruit that we get in the grocery store that don't have no seeds in, that it's been, it's been created by man, right? You got these seedless grapes, right? They cannot multiply. You got seedless watermelons. They cannot multiply. You got seedless oranges. They cannot multiply. Right? You got seedless bananas. They cannot multiply. So that same blood that was shed for the virgin is shed for the hormone. Right? That same blood that was shed for the virgin was shed for the fornicator. Right? The same blood that was shed for the virgin was shed for the adulterer. Right? And that same blood that was shed for that person who's trying to live a righteous life was shed for the rebel as well. That's right. The same blood that was shed for the person who's trying to be a peacemaker is shed for that hell race as well. That's right. That's right. So that same blood that was shed for me was shed for you. So the blood is for everybody. Okay? It's not just for who we think are deserving enough to be in the Christ, uh, in, the, in the body of Christ. Amen. God, he also, correction, Jesus was not a dictator or a tyrant. Mm -hmm. He doesn't just sit on the throne and just want to throw people in hell. Right? But you got some preachers who preach that, and we need to realize that he is the good shepherd, right? mm -hmm. who protects us from ravenous wolves. Mm -hmm. right? He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Mm -hmm. right? He is uh, the person who doesn't just want to wash your feet. He want to wash his sins away as well. Okay? But it's written that God, he desires for all men to be saved. Amen. In 1 Timothy 2. But we know that straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Right? Right. So that broad way that leads to destruction, that's a path you can trod as well. Mm -hmm. But that's your choice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you decide to go down the broad path, that's your choice. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you decide that you want to Say the, the, the straight gate, the narrow way, that's too, I'm trying to feel suffocated doing this, and you want to go down Broad Street, that is your choice. You chose that path, mm -hmm. okay? He is providing an alternative. It's simply you rejecting it, okay? If you reject it, that's on you. You can't blame no one else for your decisions other than you. Mm -hmm. And in Revelation uh, 3, can somebody get that for me? Revelation 3, verse 20. Revelation 3, verse 20. I'm almost done. Yeah. Behold, mm -hmm. I stand at the door and do what? Mm -hmm. And knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Right. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, he's, he's coming in via invitation only, right? Mm -hmm. Invitation only. You must invite Jesus in. Mm -hmm. He's not going to break and enter in your house. He's not going to force you to worship him and serve him, Amen. you have to invite him in. Right? Now, as I said before, when you do invite him in, he's coming in as a boss. That's right. Amen. Not as an employee. Okay? He's coming in as a landlord and not as a tenant. Amen. So make sure you understand that as well. Straight okay? some things up. So, in the church of Laodicea, Laodicea is how I say it? Laodicea. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, that church, right, they were complacent and they were rich, okay? They were complacent and rich. They felt very satisfied or self-satisfied, just like many of us do, mm -hmm. right? Many of us do. And they did not have Christ's presence among mm -hmm. them, right? Christ, he's standing, knocking at the door of their hearts, but they were so busy enjoying worldly pleasures mm -hmm. that they didn't notice he was trying to enter, mm -hmm. okay? The pleasures of this world are things like money, mm -hmm. right? Not saying that it's evil. The love of it, you know. But money, things that we can put our hope in. Money. Talking about security. 
talk about material possessions, right? These things can be dangerous mm -hmm. because of their temporary satisfaction. The temporary satisfaction can make us indifferent to God's offering of lasting satisfaction. Okay? We are temporarily satisfied with the things that we see. Therefore, we forego God and his offering of lasting satisfaction because we can't see that. So it's very dangerous. It can be dangerous, right? And so sometimes we can often feel ourselves feeling indifferent to church, right? feeling indifferent to God, right? feeling indifferent about the Bible. It is what it is. If we find ourselves in that predicament with that mindset, we start the process of shutting God out of our lives. Okay? Because now we're starting to be self-reliant on what we can produce and what we can do in our own, in our own strength and our own might. Right? So if we leave the door open constantly, God, he ain't got enough. Right? Because he can just come on in. Right? So, Letting Jesus in is our only is our only hope for lasting fulfillment. Amen. We must allow Christ to come in. Amen. And when he does come in, as I said before, and it's intentional, he's coming in as a boss. That's right. He's coming in as an employee. We are not workers, uh, well, we are workers for Christ, but he's not working for us, right? That's right. He's not on our payroll, right? We can't pay him back for everything that he's done for us. Amen. We can't even begin to pay him back, okay? He's coming in as a landlord. So when he is allowed into our temple, when we allow it, mm -hmm. he's coming in to take over. He's not coming in to get in where you make him fit in. Mm -hmm. He wants all or nothing. Okay? He wants all or nothing. Okay? He doesn't want just visitation on the weekend. You know, some of us got that happen. We, we only think about church on Saturdays or Sundays and Wednesdays. You know, he wants more than just visitation rights. He wants full custody of Amen. Amen. <laughs> he wants full custody. And so as we sing this invitation song, uh, this is your opportunity to invite Christ in. Amen. Okay? Allow that unlearning process to take place. Mm -hmm. Understand that it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Understand that you must surrender your will for his will. That's Amen. Right. Amen. But trust and believe, as long as you hold on to his hand, he will never leave you and never leave you astray. Amen. 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 Let us stand. 598, Lord, I'm coming home. I've wandered far away from